0: Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renew Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami.
1: Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, worship team, for your, uh, your passion, and what a powerful, powerful preparation as we get into the Word this morning. I'm using this corded mic because the enemies was fighting in the pre-service. He was trying to attack us through some cordless mics, and uh, we rebuked that with a cord, I guess. That's what we did. I don't know what we did. But man, I'm so glad you're here this morning. God is, uh, God is good. He's going he's gonna to do a great thing today. Amen? Excited about uh, what's about to happen in just a few minutes right after the service. As Mikey said, we're going to be doing a baptism so, so excited about my brother Alejandro, my friend James, these two brothers that are making a decision today to uh, go public with their faith. You're going to hear their testimony, you're going to hear why and what, what God's doing in their life and what He wants to do, and uh, maybe for somebody else, you guys are going to need to experience that, and you're going to need to make that decision. We talk a lot about these four things that's on your connection card It's kind of like our little track towards what we want to help every believer, every person do at Renew Church. We want to help them know God. And that means uh, come to a loving and and saving relationship with Jesus Christ to get baptized we want to help you find freedom which we're going to be starting these small groups and that's a great place to to not only come to know God but to settle your yesterdays to find forgiveness or or whatever that thing is that's happened in your life and your maybe your struggle maybe it's a personal thing whatever it is we believe that it happens it can happen in the church and even better than that it happens in small groups when we come together in smaller gatherings of 10 5 10 people and we just pray together we lift each other up We help each other. So we talk a lot about finding freedom, and I want you to grab uh, information on that on your way out. And then we talk about discovering purpose all the time. We want people to be a part of the Renew Crew. We want you to get involved because God has created you uniquely and specifically for a purpose. So we want to help you to take that step and discover your purpose and begin to make a difference, to be a part of the amazing Renew Crew, the famous Renew Crew that puts this together every single week. Let's give them a round of applause. Can we do that? Uh, they are amazing. They get here at 8 a.m. On, uh, on Sundays, and they're out of here at 1 p.m., and, and uh, they put together a lot of different things in our kids' ministry, and our hospitality teams, and our worship ministry. Uh, everything that happens is because of a gathering of believers that love Jesus and that love this city, and they're trying to make a difference. So I'm super excited about that, and I'm so thankful. Man, if you're here for the first time today, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Pastor Trevor, and uh, we've been in a sermon series for the last couple of weeks. This is the last week in that series, and this message uh, series is called Wonder. And we've been talking about this idea, this concept of, of how we need to be able to wonder at uh, the, the faithfulness, the power And even the compassion of God, which is where we're going today, that we need to to be able to stop and really realize. And sometimes when we get older, we grow up, we just kind of stop wondering. But what I'm trying to get you to do is to kind of come back to that, that feeling of awe, that feeling of marvel, that feeling of, man, God is good. And this is why he is so good to me. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of compassion. But before that, I want to tell you just a quick story. I was on the phone with a friend of mine. He may even be here. I haven't seen him yet, but he told me he was coming uh, here pretty soon. I don't know if it's this week or, or next week, but I, I haven't talked to this guy in almost a year, and um, he, he, I consider him a friend. I think he considers me a friend, but I'm like, man, I'm not a very good friend, and here's how I know that. I mean, we, we hadn't spoken in a year, and he's like, hey, bro, how are you? And I'm like, man, I'm better than I deserve honestly, I'm better than I deserve. And part of the reason why is because I'm looking at the timestamp on my phone, the text messaging. And the last time I texted with him was April of 2018. So almost a full year. And I'm like, I don't even deserve to be called your friend, bro. I'm really sorry that I'm just now reaching out to you, but you don't know the kind of year it's been. It's been a whirlwind of a year. We moved, we've transitioned, we've uh, planted a church, all of these things. And we were just kind of on different paths. But he's like, man, I can't be mad at you. I, it doesn't matter. I mean, I love you. There's no way that I can be mad at you. That's the kind of friend that he is. And he treated me so, so well, even after the way that I treated him after a year. I, I hate to say it, that, that's the kind of friend I am sometimes. That's also the kind of son that I am sometimes. I have this amazing father and mother Um, and and I was the youngest, so I was a little bit spoiled sometimes, the youngest of four boys. uh, I complained a lot. I forgot to say thank you for all their sacrifice. Uh, I would leave a, a mess, and they would clean up after me. They were always taking care of me. That's just the kind of son I was, and I forgot all the things that my parents did for me. That's just the kind of friend I was. That's the kind of son I was. Honestly, that's the kind of follower I sometimes am. That's the kind of follower of Christ I sometimes am. I'm not the best follower. I complain. I forget to say thanks. I leave a mess. And God is always picking up after me. Like, I take the credit, and then when something bad happens, I give God the blame. How many have ever done that before? That's the kind of follower that I have been sometimes. But in spite of ourselves, our God is a faithful God. His greatest, even when we're faithless, He is faithful even when we don't feel it, He is faithful. He takes care of us. Our God is powerful. He is so powerful. But the greatest demonstration, as we talked about last week, of His power, is, it, it, the greatest demonstration of His power is our salvation. I mean, yes, it's great to get a temporary healing. It's great to be physically touched for a, for a season or for a few years. But still in all, we're going to live to 100 or 105 or 100 and whatever, and we're going to pass on. That's still temporary the greatest demonstration, the greatest expression of our, His power is our salvation. Amen? And we want to experience that. I hope that you have. Today I want to talk to you about God's compassion. Today, this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about the compassion of our God. As we conclude this series, I want you to think about this and, and how compassionate He is. Man, oftentimes we, um, we forget how compassionate He is. And I want to remind you of it, and, and that's why we sometimes go back to texts over and over again. I mean, you ever heard somebody say, like, oh, I already read that. Like, I was just reading the Bible the other day, and they're like, oh, no, I already read that. Nobody says that. You know why they don't? I mean, you could say that about a, a, a Harry Potter book, or you could say that about some other kind of, a, um, you know, fiction or nonfiction or whatever. I, I read that before, but the Bible, you don't say that. You never say that. Why? Because it's relevant. Why? Because it's practical. Why? Because it's new every day, and something God may be saying to you in the verse today could be totally different yesterday. You ever met people like that, that just, they're stuck in a verse? They're stuck in a chapter? I had a friend that was stuck in Romans 8 for like, and that's a great chapter to be stuck in. Don't, Don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. But he was in Romans 8 for like 10 years. I'm like, well, that's good. That's a good place to be. Stay there if that's where God's got you. But he just stayed on it. But His Word is, is constantly faithful and relevant, and it's speaking to us all the time. I want to talk to you a little bit about God's compassion. I want to talk to you about the fact that God is good all the time. But sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes we don't feel that. We're dealing with stuff in our life. We're dealing with the baggage of life or the struggle of life. We're dealing with all the things that are going on around us, and we just don't feel it. Or maybe we have like this preconceived notion of god or somebody else has told us something about god let me give you an example okay let me just let me let me let me tell you this first of all what we think will determine our belief and ultimately our behavior what we think will determine our belief and our behavior and oftentimes what we think comes from other people it comes from outside sources from other people that are sometimes impacting how and the way in which we think so let me give you an example for example tomorrow let's say you're going in for a job interview with mr pedro morales and you come to me and you say, uh, hey, Trevor, I'm fixing to go meet Mr. Pedro Morales. And I'm hoping to get this new job. And I go to you, oh, the Pedro Morales. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go try to apply for that job. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, I'm really, really sorry that you have to go and meet him. Is there anybody else or is there any other job out there? Because that is you do not want to meet Mr. Pedro Morales. He is the most difficult person in the world. Like he's arrogant he doesn't care about anyone else. Man, if you get the job, I mean, I don't, it's not because of you. You're just, you're, he doesn't even, like, he steps on people. You do not want to work for Mr. Morales. Few people who actually interview with him ever even get the job. Let me ask you this. If you had that, and we had that conversation, how would you go into the meeting tomorrow? Not very good, right? Not very good. You'd go into the meeting tomorrow and you'd start feeling like, oh my goodness, what did I get myself into? Like, you'd go into that just thinking to yourself, you're defeated before you even started. You'd go into that meeting of that interview and you would just say, I'm I'm not even going to try or in complete fear of the fact that Mr. Pedro Morales is about to ask you some questions about your past or your job experience. But what if I did this instead? What if I, uh, you said, hey, I've got a meeting. Pray for me. I'm going to meet with uh, Mr. Pedro Morales. I've got a job interview, and I really hope I get the job. And I say, oh, man, with Pedro, that guy is amazing. Man, I've I've referred two other people to him, and and he's helped him so much. He's gone above and beyond. And the Christmas bonuses, you don't want to hear about his Christmas bonuses. This guy is the most compassionate, loving boss you will ever work for. He is absolutely amazing. You're going to have a good day tomorrow. How would you feel at that point? Different, right? You'd feel different. You would go into that meeting, you'd go into that interview different. What made the difference? The image that was portrayed, the picture that was painted of Mr. Pedro. According to that image, we either worry and fret, or we can relax and go into it just feeling like, okay, this is gonna be good. We feel good or bad. The truth is, is is that what we think about people determines the way we feel and act towards them, and this explains why that so many people turn and run from God. This idea of running from God comes from the image they have of Him, the image of God being this judge sitting up on a throne in heaven, wherever heaven is, and just looking for opportunities to strike you down, and we get that picture. We think of God in that way as maybe an accuser, a punisher, someone that I need to run from, and Some of us, when we think of God, we're thinking of just this really, really angry creator and someone painted the wrong image of God. Those with a bad experience with their earthly parents can easily create this kind of picture of their heavenly parent, their heavenly father. And sometimes Christians give you that wrong image. Sometimes uh, uh, the media gives you this wrong image. Whatever it is, I want to help try to discover a different image of our God. I want to kind of paint a different picture of who our God is. I want to today talk to you about our God who is good, our God who is compassionate. Psalms chapter 116 verse 5 says, The Lord is gracious. Our God is full of compassion. Psalms 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Psalms 86, verse 15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He's slow to anger. I mean, I know oftentimes we think that God's just ready to strike us. He's ready to to make us pay for something. But Psalms 86 says he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love, abounding in faithfulness. Lamentations 3 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Why? Because of His great love. That's the only reason. For His compassions never fail. And then the last verse, Psalms 103, says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows how we are formed, and He remembers that we are dust. For He knows how we are formed. And he remembers that we are dust. You see, he knows our conditions. He knows us. He's been with us since the beginning. And and he just has this kind of compassion for us because of the fact that he knows the kind of condition we're in. We are dust. And his compassion arises out of our condition. Because he realizes these people are nothing without me, he has even more compassion for them. And here's the definition of compassion. Let me, let me give you this, because sometimes we get this wrong a little bit. We, we think, oh, it's just I feel sorry for you. But compassion is a sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering or misfortunes of others that drives one. Okay, that's the important part. Don't miss the second part of it. It's that drives one to relieve their pain or suffering to help avoid it. Okay, so compassion goes beyond, oh, man, I'm sorry for you. I feel bad about the situation. I feel bad about the circumstance. It drives you to do something about it, like my brother Jimmy is doing with his homeless ministry next Saturday, and I hope that some of you will join us next week as we do that. You see, God sees our condition. He knows we're our dust, that we're dust, and He takes action for us. He doesn't just feel sorry for us. I want to give you this idea. I want to give you this thought. God is compassionate. But God is not fair. God is compassionate. But God is not fair. Where do you come, come off talking about that, Trevor? I come from a verse in Matthew chapter 20. And it's Jesus telling this parable. And you don't have the words on the screen, I'm afraid, because I, uh, I told the, um, the technicians to take it off. And now I'm putting it back. So, Jose, if you don't have it, don't worry. I'm just going to read it. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work his vineyard. He agree, agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, You also go work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is, whatever is right. So they went. He went out again at the, the sixth hour and the ninth hour and he did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went and he found still others standing around. This was a long day. You guys hearing this? This is a 12 hour shift. And he went out, those standing around, and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? In other words, they didn't just wake up. They didn't just roll out at the last hour of the day. They'd been standing there all day long doing nothing. And they said, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last and going to the first. And the workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and they each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But when one of them also received a denarius, but each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have burdened the who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered them, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So here it is. This guy works one hour, and he makes the same amount as the guy who works all day. And the guy that's worked all day is thinking to himself, man, I've, I've strained myself. I've suffered under this hot sun for 12 hours. I should be paid 12 times as much. For this to be fair, either the guy who worked one hour didn't deserve what he got, or the one who worked 12 hours deserved a lot more than what he got. At least that's the way we think about fairness. We think about it comparatively. What if there was, though, another way to think about fairness? Fairness. Here's the question the lo- landowner asked. Why have you been standing here all day long? He, he asked that question to those people that, had, that were there on the 11th hour. Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Listen close to the answer. It says, because no one has hired us, they answered. It wasn't because they weren't willing. It wasn't because they, didn't, they couldn't. It was just because no one had hired them. So is it fair that the guy that showed up at the work in the morning and was passed over, he showed up to work in the morning was passed over all day long? Maybe there was a reason. Maybe he was less capable. Maybe he was elderly. Maybe he just didn't look as strong as the other guys. Maybe he he just, who knows? Maybe he took a bathroom break at the very moment when the landowner came through. I have no idea why. But he got passed over. But that didn't matter to the landowner. Why? Because the landowner is not fair. He's not doing it in the way that the, the, the first guys expected. The parable, this parable that Jesus tells us about the characters is not about the character of the workers, but about the character of the landowner, which is God. That's who he's speaking of. That's who Jesus is referring to in the parable. He's saying, this is my character. Let me tell you who I am. I am a generous and compassionate God. That's why God's not fair. And I thank God that He is. I thank God that He came to me even in my 11th hour and said, hey, come and receive your reward. Come and receive what you have not even earn. Maybe you're a good person. One has been at work in the vineyard since the early morning your entire life. Maybe you're hearing this and you're like, I'm those I'm those guys that came and complained. I'm the guy that wants mine because I get here on Sunday mornings at eight o'clock and I move all this stuff and I set all this stuff up. Maybe you're that guy, and I'm speaking to some even on my renew crew. But at some point you've violated God's law, haven't you? At some point in your life, you've done something to violate the word, the, the, the law of God. You've got sin, and it has to be paid for. Maybe there's somebody that's coming at five in the afternoon, and he has more sin than you. But let me just tell you, God is just, and sin is sin is sin, and it has to be paid for, whether it's a little sin or a lot of sin. So God has to do something about it. So either you pay, or God pays, you want to take a vote? No. Either you pay or God pays. And no one wants to take a vote. Vote. You know what? You know what we want? We don't want what we deserve. We don't want what we've earned. No one in this room including this guy gets what he deserves because if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have. God wouldn't like it I don't deserve it. So either I pay or God pays. And that's called grace. That's called compassion. And that's what our God offers to each and every single one of you. Matthew chapter 9. This is Jesus. And, and he's reflecting this compassionate heart of God. And it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Every means every, okay? It doesn't mean some, it means every. He went there, taught in their synagogues, proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. He told, told them about him and eternal life and all that. And he healed every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the condition of the multitudes. They were harassed. What does that mean? They were oppressed. They they, they felt the strain and pressure of life, intimidation caused by the situation or the government or whatever that was on them. Jesus saw that. He saw what they were going through, and they were harassed, and not only harassed, but they were helpless, without protection, unable to defend oneself. It says like sheep without a shepherd, Like, imagine that for just a second. What happens with a sheep, to a sheep, when it doesn't have a shepherd? Put it out there in the middle of the field, right? Leave it overnight. Leave it for two hours, 24 hours. I don't know how long you have to leave it, but leave it out there for a little bit all by itself. Drop it off and go, what's going to happen? It's harassed. It's helpless. It's going to run out of food. It's going to fall off a cliff, or it's going to get eaten by an alligator. If you're in Florida, if you're in, like, you know, the Holy Land or wherever, it's going to be eaten by a wolf or something. I don't know whatever, harassed and helpless, and Jesus saw them like that, and he said they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he had this compassion on them. I wonder how long you've been living with the image of God being this judge with a lightning bolt in both hands just ready to zap you. I wonder how many times you've said when something bad happens, that's God, he did it to me. I'm trying to give you a different picture of who God is because he's not the Mr. Morales that I had painted a picture of in the beginning of this illustration. He is a God that cares about you and he's for you and he loves you and he wants to help you. Maybe you've been stiff-arming Christianity, Jesus, faith, church, whatever it is. Maybe you've just been pushing back on everything that God has for you. You've closed doors, you've put up walls, but God is a compassionate God and he understands why you've acted as you have acted and he knows the circumstances of your life. And this is why I, this is what I love. Maybe it's so that you would experience his love unconditional. Like God's compassion his compassion leads to our confession. few years ago, and and let me say this, first of all, this isn't so that you can come and confess in a box somewhere, I'm not the priest that has the power to forgive sins, but I know the high priest, and I know the one that cares for you, and what he wants more than anything else is for you to confess your sin, and your need for him in your life, so that's why I'm sharing that compassion leads to confession, because there was several years ago, 2003, I was married for a couple of years, and um we were on a, a, a mission, a one year mission trip in the Bahamas. And uh, we were doing this basketball ministry under Slam Basketball. My brother Raymond Bermudez, who's a part of our church, is, uh, was the reason why we were there. And um, I remember uh, we had settled in. We had been there just a couple of months. And my wife and I were, were um, you know, doing our thing, doing our ministry five days, six days a week. We, we loved it. We were staying in this apartment. And this this place that we had, it was like the back of somebody's house, and we were renting it. And and they had, um, uh, you know, uh, separation in the in the room, and they had a, a a television in the other room. And man, 2003, I was just a young young man, but I was trying to do God's work, and and um, couldn't sleep one night, and decided to to flip on the TV, and there was before me with my wife in the other room and the door closed the opportunity for me to look at some stuff i should have never looked at for me to be able to look at some pornography that was being broadcast on the television here i am this minister here i am this christian here i am this missionary doing god's work in the day and at night i'm trying to watch some kind of show And so, what I did is uh, struggled with it for a while. Wrestled with it for a little while. Tried to keep it for a little while. I remember where I was. I was on Bay Street. Going east towards downtown. Right in front of the Crystal Palace. Which used to be called Crystal Palace. Golf course. Coming up to the roundabout. And I'm in the van. The, our little basketball van that we carried all the players in, my wife and I in the car. And I remember I'm just like, man, God's like, you got to tell her. You got to tell her. No, I don't got to tell her. God, I'm having this like battle with God. I don't have to tell her. You forgive me. I don't need to tell her. No, I have to tell her because if you don't tell her, then, then you're never going to find forgiveness. You're never going to experience like freedom from this. It's not because I have to tell her for, for my own sake, but so that I can experience freedom. And I still remember The shame and the embarrassment that I had as I had to come out and say, Honey, I've been watching this stuff at night when you go to bed. And I know I'm not supposed to. I know I'm a pastor, like a minister, and I'm supposed to be doing these things. The hardest part was not even for me. It was watching my wife just be broken. Look how sad she was. But that compassion, that confession led to compassion, which led to life change. And because of that, like I've been free since 2003. I mean, am I saying that there haven't been moments when I have to say, Jesus, help me in the name of Jesus, Satan get behind me, and I, I, I push it away. But I don't, I don't have any kind of struggle with that. And I've experienced this, like, full freedom from it. And because of God's compassion, it caused me just to say, you know what? I'm, I, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to live in that anymore. So I tell you that. I tell you about compassion with the preface of that you should be able to come before God with confession. Because until you do, you won't experience the extent of His compassion. Does that make sense? You won't experience the fullness of it if you can't confess it to that person or to somebody that you can be accountable to, then you won't experience the fullness of it. But when you do, man, is it freeing. And man, is it amazing. First John chapter 1 says if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But verse 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Like, if we confess our sins, if we do our part, which is just to come before Him and say, God, I confess it to you. I give it to you. It's no longer a secret. I'm not saying you got to put it on social media and tell the world. But the person you're keeping it from, that's who it's a secret from. That person, if you can confess your sin, He is faithful and just. And He will forgive you of your sin and He will purify you from all unrighteousness. And that's how it came. When I confessed, I was purified and I was set free. No longer did I live under that bondage and that slavery to those lusts and desires. Our God is a God of compassion. And because He's so compassionate, he gave me that second chance with my wife. He's created in me and uh, in my wife a relationship like no other. Like, I love her. I, I, I lust after her. I, I mean, I just, I, I love my wife. That was a weird thing to say. You guys are like, wow, this guy's weird. I love my wife. She drives me crazy in a good way. And you need that. If you don't have that, maybe it's in another area of your life, whatever it is come before God, confessing to God, not so that He can judge you, not so that He can condemn you, but so that He can lay His grace all over you, and then you can experience the fullness of that, and you can be set free. Wow. It's an amazing thing. This morning, we're going to pray. We're going to sing a song. I think the musicians are about ready to come up. And you can come forward with our, our ministry team, our prayer team that will be willing to pray with you. You can talk to them if you want, and, and they're not going to inquire. They're just going to say, can I pray with you for anything? And you can confess at that point, or you can just say, just pray for me. Or you can you can do it right there in your seats, however you want to do it. But I would challenge you in the same way that I did right there on Bay Street, going east and into downtown. I came before my wife and my God, and I said, i got something i got to confess. And because of that, grace upon grace was put all over me. I want you to experience that because our God is a compassionate God, and He cares about every detail and every circumstance of your life, including whatever it is that you're struggling with. Heavenly Father, do a work in us. Do a work in this service. In our time of prayer, God, if there's one person you're speaking to about something that they're struggling with, God, I just pray that you would just pour out grace upon grace all over them touch them. Whether it's a sin that no one knows about, whether it's something that that everybody knows about, God, I just pray that they would experience the fullness of your grace in this day, in this time. In Jesus' name, let's sing. to The 11th hour of compassion because you're here first thing and you've done everything and you're a good Christian and you're morally righteous in many ways, but like, come on, man, none of us. In comparison to Jesus, like, we're all filthy rags, like, all of us. I want you to experience the fullness of His compassion, and you won't experience it unless. You've been able to do your part, which is that confession. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I'm not going to call you to the front. I understand this is a, uh, uh, a pretty touchy subject and maybe you're, you're questioning that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to come forward. We just wanted to give you that opportunity. But with your head bowed, and every head bowed, every eyes closed, nobody's looking around. This is between you and God. Between you and God. Man, if you haven't experienced the fullness of his compassion, if you don't know what that means to to sense that he says, I love you, and there's nothing you could do that would make me love you any less. There's nothing I love you so much. If If you can't feel the abounding love of our Heavenly Father over you, man, I just want you to feel it today. And maybe, maybe it's because there's something you've got to confess. Maybe there's something that you're hanging on to, and you've just got to say, "God, I got to give this to you." So I pour out my hands. I open my, my my hands to you, and I release that thing, and I give it to you. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, "God, I give it to you. I give you my struggle, God. I give you that thing." Sit your hand back here. If that's you, lift your hand. See your hand, praise God for you. See your hand, see your hand in the back. God, I give it to you. I want to experience the fullness, the fullness of your compassion. So here and now, I release to you my struggle, my sin, that thing that I'm battling. God, I give it to you. God, just pour out your love on these, your people. If today you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that's the first step. We want to help people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. But the very first thing we gotta do is make sure that it's right with you and God, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to, He wants to have not only died for the, the sins of the world, but He wants to have died for your sins. It's a specific personal, like sacrifice that He made. And if you haven't made that confession of faith, if you haven't declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't asked Him into your life, what better day than today? So in just a moment, I'm just going to give you an opportunity and all you're going to do is raise your hand and just say, Pastor, I want to I want to accept Jesus as my personal Savior and I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to make you stand out. I would ask you to fill out the card afterwards so I can follow up with you and just... Uh, individually reach out to you but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make you come forward or anything else but if that's you today if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and you're still trying to earn your salvation if you're still trying to like get God on your good side by the things that you do like I just need to tell you man there's nothing and there's no one that's good enough we can't earn it it's only because of grace through faith because we believe and we ask Jesus to come and to forgive us and set us free that's how we are saved so if that's you maybe it's just one person I don't know but if God's speaking to you with every head bowed nobody's looking around if you would say pastor that's me when I when I say three just raise your hand one two three lift your hand praise God for you sir praise God for you sir Anybody else? Let's give these people, this lady in the middle, give her a round of applause. Hands, heads bowed, but hands raised. Praise God for these people that are making a decision. Praise God. God, you see hands. You know hearts. It's a simple prayer. It says, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Cleanse me and make me brand new today. Today, I declare you as my Lord And my Savior. In other words, you're the boss, you're in charge, you're on the throne of my life. I put you in your respectful and right place. You're in charge, oh God. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. I choose to follow you. I choose to worship you. I choose to give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for everything that you're gonna do. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's give Jesus a round of applause today. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Mikey, come on up.
2: Well, make some noise for that service today, man. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, Trevor was reading Matthew 9, chapter, chapter 9, verses 35 and 36, but there's a second to that part that he didn't get to touch on and it's verses 37 through 38 and it says then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few ask the lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field basically what's that what that saying is there's a lot of work to be done there's a lot of people to be reached but not enough people willing to put in the work or to point them to Jesus. You see, it's one thing for us to, to come every Sunday, come to church, pray, do all the things that we're supposed to do as believers, but we're also called to share the good news, to reach the people in our communities and our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. And you can answer that call and you can tell them about Jesus, you can invite them to church, or you can do nothing about it, but God will find people to do his work he will find the people to do his work and coming up we have Easter weekend people who don't go to church go to church on that weekend what greater opportunity to get invite those people in your lives it may be a parent it may be a friend it may be anybody somebody you see on the street every day and they don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ like you do this is the opportunity to invite them in here let them worship Let them hear the good news. And we have some tools for you guys to do that. We have a text system set up where if you text Easter 2019 to 31996, a digital flyer will pop up for our Easter weekend. And like I said last week, we're gonna have a bunch of things going on, Bounce House for the Kids, Easter Egg Hunt, just a bunch of cool, cool things going to celebrate the resurrection of our our, our Lord and Savior. So you can text that, you will get the digital download, Text it to your friends. Text it to anybody. We also have flyers. We have flyers. You can pick them up on your way out in the back. Take a stack of them. Give them to your work coworkers. Give them to anybody. Put it on your social media. This is the opportunity for us to introduce people to the Lord that we serve. And that's an awesome opportunity. Now, this is also the part of our service where we worship God through the tithes and offerings. And like I said, today we also have a baptism, so please stay tuned. Be a part of that as two people are taking that next step in their faith and declaring Jesus in, in public. That's an awesome thing. So also, if you filled out a connection card and you have a tied, you can drop those off in the buckets in the back or in the boxes. Um, the band has one more song for us, and let's pray. God, thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your grace, Lord. We all need it so much, God, and you give it freely. God, thank you. I pray for these these tithes and offering, God. I pray that you bless every single dollar, Lord, that it all be used to to glorify your kingdom, Lord, to carry out your work, God. We thank you for blessing us, Lord, with, with all that we have, God. It's in Jesus' precious name, the church says, amen. Will you stand with me for one last
0: song?